Welcome to Cat Talk Radio with your host, Molly DeVos. Molly is a cat expert and certified feline training and behavior specialist. With her expertise and her guests, you'll learn how to interpret and control behavior issues with your cat, how to entertain and converse with them, and keep up on the latest feline news around the world. Now, here is Molly DeVos. Hello, everyone. Welcome and thank you for tuning in to Cat Talk Radio, the podcast where we explore the mysterious and captivating world of our feline companions. I'm Molly DeVos. And I'm Dewey Vaughn. And we're your hosts of Cat Talk Radio. We're here to give you information that will help you to take better care of your cat. And help you bond more with your cat. And today we have a rather intriguing and perhaps slightly unsettling topic to delve into. (laughs) Would your cat eat you? We'll be exploring the science behind cats' carnivorous nature, their evolutionary traits, and the infamous stories of cats feasting on their owners post-mortem, just in time for Halloween. <laughs> oh my God, this topic would would not help people bond with their cat at all, and <laughs> very unique topic. In fact, not only might they not bond with their cat more, but you might never look at your cat the same again. <laughs> wow, so I suppose this topic came up from... The story Melissa told us about how she read an article somewhere that cats would eat their owners quicker than dogs would, I believe was kind of the topic and the direction, and that cats didn't wait very long before they did eat their owners. And I guess dogs do too, but it's a longer period of time between um, what cats would do and what dogs would do. I don't know the full background of it but i guess that's what you're going to talk about here yeah and i think she kind of did it in a playfully taunting way since she's a dog person like well cats are gonna eat your ass faster than dogs it was very funny and and since i guess that story is popping up in the media now it's actually not new it's a few years old uh michael delgado actually did a delgado did a uh, an interview with I think it was wired science or something like that about this this actual topic. So I figured if she saw it that other people were seeing it and you know to be quite honest we were short on material for episode topics this week and this kept coming to mind. So I figured if she was seeing it and talking about it and other people were talking about it then it ought to be something we should be talking about too. <laughs> You know, let's start by understanding the biological basis of the eerie possibility. Now, you've always said in the past, and you've taught me this, so cats are obligate obligate carnivores, so I get that said straight, meaning their diet primarily consists of animal flesh. So if we're feeding them the right food, they may, if we're, we're not feeding them the right food, I would suppose, then they may very well start seeing us as their next meal. Now, I want to add to that just a little bit uh, by also uh, saying that I have seen things in the past shows that said that if cats were the size of mountain lions or bigger, they would be a more smarter species and could very well prey 
on humans. So, oh, yeah, I'm sure. Yeah, I'm absolutely sure. And we'll talk about that. Um, yeah, we'll talk about that. But let's start with what you brought up in terms of, of diet. Like, you know, would they would they eat people as opposed to mice or birds? And, you know, you're right. They are obligate carnivores. But, you know, some animals can thrive on a vegetarian diet. But cats require specific nutrients like taurine and amino acid and essential vitamins that can only be found in meat, which is why they don't need plant proteins. They need meat proteins because their digestive systems, I always say, a cat's digestive system is a Ferrari compared to a dog's digestive system and our own as well is more like a Chevy. Not that Chevys are bad. They're just a whole lot more simple in the way that they run. And you would know that if you were a mechanic and trying to work on the engines of one of them. But cats' digestive systems, like Ferraris, are finely tuned for processing animal protein efficiency, right? Because they actually lack that certain enzymes necessary for digesting plant matter, which makes a meat-based diet essential for not only survival, but thriving and good health. So are you saying if I feed my cat dry food, it might eat me in my sleep just to get some taurine? <laughs> <laughs> well, it might. <laughs> it's like saying, you know, oh, eat me because I'm salty. <laughs> that could happen too. <laughs> you know, if it would actually make our listeners feed their cats a, a better moist diet, I'm tempted to say yes to that. <laughs> but, but really, cats know that we're too big to be prey, right? So snacking on us is, is very unlikely. Wow, you know... I, I, I can't help, but, you know, this is October and we are looking at Halloween coming up and all the nightmare kind of movies and stories I have seen where cats long time ago, I think it was in the 80s or 90s, those kind of movies when somebody was dead and there was a cat munching on them. <laughs> I can't get that picture out of my head after talking through all this. But it, if they were bigger, like I said before, um, would they see us as potential prey and eat us? Because, you know, I've seen an actual scientific um, show. Maybe it was, I don't know, Animal Planet or some kind you of You don't show. watch anything that doesn't have Bigfoot or aliens in it. Now, come right. on. Well, this was one of those things where it was interesting that they said that the common cat was super smart and that if it was the size of a mountain lion or bigger that humans would be a part of the prey. Yeah, I actually believe that because if our domestic cats were larger, I do think their predatory instincts, you know, would be more pronounced. And on top of that, you know, we've they've kind of evolved to be a little bit smarter because they have to deal with us and that kind of thing. But it's important to remember I think that the bond between humans and cats has also evolved over thousands of years. And even if they were larger, I don't think it necessarily means they would view us as prey. It's not like, you know, the snake that lays next to you and sizes you up because, uh -huh. you know, the reptilian brains really, I don't think, have any bond with, with their people. So I don't think we'd have to worry about waking up in the middle of the night with them ripping our throats up. 
although that movie we saw, what were we watching? Oh, we were watching 1923. That's right. Where the Dutton, Spencer Dutton is the hunter and he's hunting those leopards that are, you know, attacking the the tourists in Africa and carrying them up in the tree and ripping their throats out. I mean, well, I hope they wouldn't do that. But, you know, we're, I, I hope they would still see us as their caregivers and, and companions. But I would encourage you to keep them full of really good food and, (laughs) you know, not only that, but, but feeding frequently is the key. You know, I get a lot of uh, behavior consultations about aggression, either to the owners or to other cats and come to find out that people are only feeding their cats like two times a day. Now, this might lead a lot of people to say, well, that's why I feed dry food, because I can leave it out all the time and the cat can just go and eat whenever it wants. But the dry food is a bunch of plant protein that they can't process. So it's really just going in one end and out the other without giving your cat the essential nutrients it needs. Now, think about how we feel when we don't have the essential nutrients we need. We kind of don't feel right, right? We feel pukey and longing and cranky and just not right. And that's the truth for your cats. So in the wild, they're not going to be eating once a day or twice a day, right? They eat small meals throughout the day, 10 to 20 small meals. And of course, if they were really big, we become a small meal. <laughs> but, but feeding your cat frequently like we feed pico five times a day and if you're not there you know people always freak out and go but i gotta work how can i be there and feed them that frequently we'll feed them once in the morning before you go to work get a food timer with the cold pack there are really good ones and and we have them on our site and under resources food and nutrition and they have great cold packs and you set the timer when you're making their breakfast make them a lunch set the timer to open up about 12 30 when you get home from work feed them again right when you walk in the door that way they're even happier to see you when you do walk in the door from anywhere because they begin to associate eating with you coming home and then feed them again right before you go to bed and then if you have middle of the night squabblings with other between cats or them trying to wake you up then fill that food timer for a fifth one like we do and have it go off at three o'clock and then you'll never get woken up and everything's fine. And you can do in-between meal, moist, you know, snacking also. I recommend the the Vitacraft uh, Lick and Lap treats because they're meat and meat is their first ingredient. You know, they're, they're, they're a meat snack. They're a liquid meat snack. So they're getting moisture that they need as well. And it's a great opportunity to to skill train with them, like clicker training and things like that, or bonding like I'm doing with my behavior foster who's just never seen a person prior to, well, its whole life in a year. So we're, we're working on people who are associated with those really yummy, great moist snacks. And that's helping for her to know that when I come into the cage that I'm going to have good things, not scary things. So I guess bottom line is that yes if they were bigger they would probably eat us if we weren't feeding them right or frequently thank god they're not bigger and that's a hypothetical question (laughs) yeah really for sure that would be scary like these people that try to own tigers and stuff like that i mean how crazy is that first of all 
this is a giant wild animal, not a domestic animal, never was, never should be, should never ever be in someone's house. And, you know, they think that someday that animal's not going to turn on them. I mean, come on, it's a wild animal. So anyway, that's another story for another time. But Okay, now let's address the chilling stories of cats reportedly consuming their deceased owners. Mm. These these cases are <laughs> rare, but, you know, I have certainly made some headlines about them. Yeah, especially recently since Melissa was talking all about it. Right. <laughs> but, you know, those stories are based around, so, you know, if a person passes away at home and their body isn't discovered for a while, that scent of decomposition might attract a cat's natural hunting instincts. I mean, in some cases, if the cat's hungry and there's no other food source available, I'm, they might resort to scavenging on a body. It could happen. It's been known yeah. to happen. So, I just can't even imagine that thought. Cats were hunters and wouldn't eat carcasses i mean i just can't imagine them doing such a thing they're they're like you know when we're talking to people that are on the show or we're talking to people that send in emails i mean it's all about these cute little cuddly uh animals that you know are our lap kitties or our play kitties you know to think about them consuming their dead owners um Gosh, it's just the craziest thought. <laughs> I know, it's a weird topic. Like I said, we were short on material this week. And if you don't want to hear topics like this, you need to be sending us some ideas, listeners. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> Otherwise, it's going to get gross. But, <laughs> but you know, it, it is, it's interesting, too. Try to put on your geeky cat science hat. Because it turns out that cats are both predators and scavengers, and will eat whatever food is available, including carrion, which is dead carcasses, right? Of course, they're primarily hunters, but in the wild, feral cats won't pass up on a free meal, right? Similar to big cats. And there's a study, this is, this is, this is weird, this gets weird, but there is a study where researchers captured footage of two feral cats eating human corpses. And they actually came back to feed multiple times over the course of several weeks. Strange. Strange. Wow, I, I just can't imagine. What researcher leaves human corpses lying around for weeks and watches cats eat them? How do they test this thing? I guess <laughs> maybe they go in and they, uh, you know, body's been there a few days and the, and the fireman or whoever shows up finds cats consuming their owners maybe that's how they got this well it, research. it, it <laughs> no it's not how they got this research but you are right some of this uh, documented data these facts about cats eating their owners does come from police reports so you know police get called there's a bad smell coming from my neighbor's house and they go in there and they find that you know the cat or dog has indeed you know, eaten, partially eaten the, the owner before they, you know, they got there. So that is documented that way. But in the research case, this is, this is actually kind of interesting. It was a forensic investigation station 
at Colorado Mesa University, and they were studying body decomposition. And they they really unintentionally captured this footage of the cats eating the corpses. So the bodies, they were outside so they could watch, you know, natural decomposition and, and weather elements was kind of the study here. And they had a fence. Of course, it was a fenced-in area, but it was fenced-in mainly to keep out larger animals. But these feral cats, like, like yes, our domestic feral cats, were sneaking through the fences. And what's interesting about this, it, well, interesting and, and more yucky to boot, was <laughs> there were dozens of bodies around, right, laying out there decomposing. I mean, just the thought of that is kind of yucky. But so you got dozens of bodies laying out in this field in the natural elements and cats sneaking in. And the cats actually tended to have a preference for the bodies that they ate, meaning that they had favorite ones. They would pick an individual body, right, and return to it over and over again. Over like, like, I think it was three weeks, over a period of three weeks. So now, you know, think about this. These researchers are filming, right, this, these, they got cameras on each of the bodies because they're watching this decomposition process because it's a forensic research station. So, you know, it help, it helps our crime scene people to know how long do people, you know, have they been dead and stuff like that. So they didn't try to keep the cats away. It, it actually exposed some interesting cat behavior we didn't know before either. So, you know, why, you know, why does the cat pick one body over the other? And, you know, obviously extremely theoretical, so we wouldn't want to reproduce this study to find out why one person tastes better than another. But, you know, they were guessing maybe it was different stages of decomposition or stuff like that. But it was really weird because, you know, they they did come back and feed off their favorite corpse. Now, that was individual to the cats, right? So they didn't feed together off the same corpse, which makes sense because they don't hunt together in the wild and they don't share prey. So they weren't feeding on the same corpses, but different ones. Sorry, that was really gross. I know. It was. <laughs> so is it safe to say we don't have to worry about cats killing us? Well, yeah, I, I think. I think cats do have a special bond with us. And again, we're too big to be prey. You know, we can, we can, we can just theorize what it would be like if they were really big, like the size of, of jaguars or something, but they're not. So, you know, they're, they're small domestic companion animals and, you know, we're too big. They know that we would win that fight. So I, I, they're not going to just kill us. Right. But however, if you live in a remote location and you die and your cat is starving, well, that's another story. They might eat us, but they're not going to kill us for food. Yeah. Well, so what about dogs? Do we need to worry about them eating us also? Well, we don't need to worry because the only time that that's likely to happen is if you die at home and no one finds you and there aren't any other options. So why worry about that silly stuff? I mean, no, we don't have to worry about that. You know, if it happens, hey, it happens. Be be happy that you provided your, your cat or dog with a, a means for survival till someone could get there and, and help them. <laughs> wow, wow. Are, so are there any 
prevention items we should do? Can we ensure that our beloved cats don't resort to such extreme measures? I mean, I guess well, let's plan ahead kind of thing. Yeah, so you just in case you die, you leave out 25 food timers every day. No. <laughs> well, yeah, you know, especially those people that, uh, you know, leave out dry food. They're probably going to be the heroes. <laughs> <laughs> well, it'll take them maybe longer, although I don't know, flesh or dry food and, you know, a cat might choose the flesh. But I think first and foremost, when talking about when we die, right, I think it's really important to have a contingency plan for your pets in case something happens to you, right? Make, make sure that, you know, you have a friend or a family member that's been appointed to take care of them and understands their needs and what they eat and things like that. And then I also think, you know, it's good to have regular check-ins with friends. I mean, like Wordle. Here's a silly example, right? I do Wordle. And every day I share it with two friends and my mom. And I remember seeing the story in the news. And this is another sad story. What is it with dead stories today? Anyway, there's this story where this woman lives on the other side of the country from her mom. And they share Wordle every morning. And and one morning, the mom didn't respond. No Wordle, no Wordle. And by the afternoon, the daughter was really worried and wouldn't answer in her phone and things like that. And so she called the police to go out and do a wellness check. And the mom, 80-year-old mom, had been kidnapped. And it, it was horrible. Mom, mom was okay and stuff like that. But, but it was a story where, you know, if you have regular touch points with friends and family, you know when they're in trouble because they're not responding. You know, if, if my friends didn't respond with Wordle and I, and I didn't know they were, you know, on vacation or busy with families visiting or something like that, I'd be worried if, if they didn't. So I'm probably not going to decompose long enough for Pico to eat me because my yeah. friends check in on me regularly. Yeah. But also, I mean, obviously, you know, proper feeding and regular care is going to reduce the likelihood that your cat's going to feel the need to scavenge for food, right? Right. So it sounds like with species-appropriate food and a good check-in system, like you talked about, we can continue to enjoy the companionship of our feline friends without any concern about them viewing us as potential meals. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that about sums it up. <laughs> okay, so to all of our listeners out there, really, please send us in better stuff. <laughs> <laughs> this one was a little gory, but it's right in tune. It's October and uh, it's that month of horror. <laughs> I'd like right. to invite all of our listeners to please email any topic ideas or questions besides this one ever again to <laughs> molly at cattalkradio.com. She'd love to uh, try on a different different topic. Yeah, clearly we need we need some more ideas. I mean, there's some topics like nutrition and litter, litter box issues and aggression and stuff like that that we could revisit time and time again. But I really, like you, would probably not like to revisit this one again. But I'm like that song that gets stuck in your head. I'm, I'm glad we've done it and now I can get it out of my head. And there's also another way you can send us topic ideas other than emailing me. If you go to our website at cattalkradio.com, there's a new voice message like voice recording thing and you can send us a message and 
just record it in your own voice and uh, it'll email us. And once we capture enough of those, we'll play them on air and answer them for you. And there's another way you can help us out other than just better content for these podcasts, but (laughs) go to our store. All the proceeds from everything that you buy in the store goes to the nonprofit. This is an all volunteer based nonprofit cat behavior solutions and cat talk radio is an outreach educational outreach program of cat behavior solutions and by all volunteer i mean we don't take any salaries out of the business so any any way that you support us helps us to support shelters better helps us to provide very low income families with better food for their cats and enrichment toys and things like that. And for us to be able to continue to create this library, this is our 241st podcast of free, right? Free information for people to help take better care of their cats. So you can also, when you go in our store, if you scroll down past the, the cool items to buy for your cat, there's donation amounts down there. So send us a donation and any any amount helps it really does help us to uh, to do this thing we love for you and we're going to keep doing it as long as shelter, shelter euthanasia is the, is number, the one number one cause, cause of, death of death in, in cats. cats thanks for tuning in everybody and until next time keep calm and purr on yes thank you for listening everyone goodbye you can be a cat lifesaver by helping to keep us on the air In the U.S., about 10 cats per hour are euthanized in shelters due to behavior issues. Through this educational radio show, behavior consultations, seminars, and articles, Cat Behavior Solutions intercepts cat behavior problems in the home, reducing the number of cats who are surrendered to shelters. Make a donation at catbehaviorsolutions.com. That's catbehaviorsolutions.com. Looking for products that address specific cat behavior issues? On our website, cattalkradio.com, you'll find things that will create enrichment in the environment for your cat, toys that will reduce boredom, the world's best and safest nail clippers, and much more. All proceeds support our mission, reducing the number of cats surrendered to shelters. Stop by the site and pick up a few tips and tidbits for your cat today. Visit cattalkradio.com and look for The Behavior Shop. Thanks for tuning in to Cat Talk Radio. Please join your host, Molly DeVos, for another episode of the program on the Voice America Variety Channel. Now, go make a connection with your feline friend.